Fantasy Focus. This is the Fantasy Focus Baseball Podcast with your hosts, Eric Carabell and Tristan Cockra. Oh my god. Do you hear yeah. that? I guess you did. I think oh something my. like that. And I put you first this time. Yeah, don't. Uh, that is Tristan. Today's, by the way, is this is the Fantasy Focus. It's Monday, April 6th, 2020, and I'm trying to catch myself because someone just sang. The singer there, the, uh, uh, the Emmy-nominated singer is Tristan H. Cockroft, winner of League, Sultan of Stat, consumer of myriad bacon and chicken farm products, and singer on this show. And that's why you're tuning in. You're not tuning in for information for baseball. You're tuning in because he sings. Trivia, the open, the buzz, and he's dancing. Now, you can't see this because we're doing this on Skype, but he's just dancing. <laughs> dancing on screen. How are you watching uh... this? Oh, got to bring the fun to the listeners. Come on. Yeah, no, I can anyway. see it. There's no reason not to. I wish we could share this with everybody. It's just as good, if not better, than you are imagining in your head. You can't imagine. Um, anyway, that was Kyle Sapi. He's the manager and researcher of this fine show, underrated. He's a, uh, what do I know about him? Raptors and Tyler Chatwood fan. So versatile. I hear he has climbed the Himalayas and he cooks meals for the homeless at the same time. That's Love how versatile Kyle is. <laughs> You've climbed the Himalayas? That's <laughs> I got a better chance of doing that than cooking for the homeless. Not a very good cook. Is this like three truths and a lie or something? Come on. <laughs> uh, so anyway, that's Tristan. That's Kyle. I'm Eric. Needed a host. On today's show, not much is going on, frankly. Uh, we have the baseball reference simulations. We're going to discuss that. And since the Phillies have the worst record in the sport, I feel we should devote hours to this topic. <laughs> <laughs> I noticed that, too. What's going on? Those dominant Miami Marlins are crushing your Phillies. I guess Joe Girardi wasn't the answer. Uh, we also later on have your spectacular hash browns, which, which Kyle reads with fervent aplomb, and Tristan answers with authoritative distinction. Just I love it. As I go someone's, on. someone's bringing the vocabulary today, so i got to bring something to the program. <laughs> you know what that is? Sing the buzz, dude. No, i got to sing you some trivia, trivia that Eric won't know. Yeah, well, I did know it on last show, but let's hear it. Yeah, so yeah, we're here. <laughs> All right, I'll throw you the question so we can get to the answer at the end of it. But I want you to name the four players who have had at least 1,600 hits in the past decade. That means in the 2010s, these four players had at least 1,600 hits. All who right. were they? I guess, I guess Von Hayes wasn't one of them. Um, all right, sing the buzz. The buzz, yeah. Uh, well, that was fantastic. I can't think of anything in the buzz, so we're going to move on to the simulations. <laughs> you made me sing the buzz for no buzz. Is that what you're telling well, what's, me? What's the buzz? You tell I'll, me. Okay, let me there is the one. news from our friends at Rotowire, and the top news item right now is Cy Sneed is in the bullpen mix, and Joe Biagini is not assured of a roster spot. I really don't want to devote much time to that. Uh, not to rip them, but there's nothing going on. I mean, um, I've no Phillies news except for the JT Real Muto stuff. Uh, Jacoby Jones is going to bat ninth for Detroit. I think they have about eight candidates to bat ninth there. Oh, that's interesting. Okay, Cameron Maven would have led off. Cameron Maven was going to be Detroit's leadoff hitter, or still could be. That's mm-hmm. that's kind of interesting. I mean, like we don't really talk about bad teams. I mean, the or- I wrote about the Orioles on Friday. I don't know where it is, but like nobody cares about the Orioles. They could have been relegated. Tigers too. It's it's something that the Phillies have a worse record than those teams in baseball references simulations. But, um, yeah, I mean, do you see any news here that we should discuss? Yep. So, Maben, just quickly on that, he did have a better season than people expect, and the knock on Maben has always been the ability to stay healthy. So I do think he's somebody who is good to get the name mentioned in there. With the Tigers again, he does have an opportunity to play a good amount, you know, if when we get to that point. Uh, the one that did catch my uh, interest here was this – possibility that when the season resumes it is going to be played in the spring training parks without fans Uh, and especially if it is kept in arizona we know about the elevation the temperatures it's going to be outdoor baseball in that case there's going to be an impact upon the numbers because we'll get a whole new set of ballparks and park factors so we're going to need to revisit those projections if that's the way major league baseball goes I don't see that happening, but you're right. If if that's what the result is for a three-month season, that would certainly change things because hitting in those parks and pitching in those parks would be 
a little bit different challenges there. I, I just don't think that's I, – I, look. I agree. I, be, I agree. But it's something that if that is the plan and that is where we go, it's going to have an impact on the numbers and the, and the game itself. So The worst teams in baseball, really, Tigers, Orioles. Um, who else would you put in that – Mariners I would put in that group. I wouldn't put any National League team in that class. Oh, I okay, would. for real now. Um, I don't think Florida's in there. I do. And I don't think so. Like they, the, I like their starting pitching, and I think their lineup is actually fine, to be honest. Like it, like when I look at Detroit, Baltimore, and Seattle, I'm like, that's bad. When I look at Miami, I, I don't think the same thing. But I guess my point is, since I wrote about the Orioles, oh my, is there anything like, like, do you avoid bad teams in drafts? Or do you look for value? I, I look for value. I try not to just scratch a team immediately from my list. Uh, the only areas in which I, I do avoid them and the projections drive me in this direction is wins and saves on the pitching side, just because the prospect of either of those two categories is much slimmer. Uh, so I'm rarely going to get a pitcher from a bad team. But then again, Matthew Boyd last year was a very good pitcher despite the wins problem. So you don't want to completely ignore them. I just don't see candidates on the Orioles other than on the lower levels, John Means perhaps. And I know a lot of people are talking about Hunter Harvey, the prospective closer. He's not even guaranteed to be the closer who's being drafted like he is. I I, I, I don't scratch them entirely. It's just I, I – they're not going to be premium picks. You, you and I know this. By the way, to the Marlins point, the only reason I think the Marlins are that belong in this group is the division. The divi- Who's finishing last if the Marlins don't in the NL East? Well, apparently the Phillies. But I, I, I maybe maybe this is a little too bold for your taste. But I look at the Marlins lineup. I look at the Marlins starting pitching, and I think they match up a lot more favorably with Philadelphia and the Mets than people realize. Like I'm not. If you gave it 162 games, sure, Marlins in last place. You give it 75 games, I think yeah. these three teams are kind of equal. I, you know, the Marlins at the top of their lineup have VR, Brian Anderson, Corey Dickerson, Jesus Aguilar. Um, they have a reasonable catcher, a reasonable second baseman, shortstop, a reasonable bench, John Birdie on the bench, Matt Joyce on the bench. They're five starting pitchers, no aces, but no number fives, really. So I, I look at Miami and I think, is Philadelphia that much better? Like they don't have any. Miami doesn't have anybody like Bryce Harper, but VR and Anderson they get on base a little bit, a little bit of pop, some speed. I, I just I, I don't think Philadelphia's rotation versus Miami's. Yeah, Miami doesn't have a Nola and a Wheeler, but why can't Alcantara be a Wheeler? What, what do we think Wheeler is? Uh, why can't Caleb Smith do that? I I think that the difference is that you're it, you're absorbing the. Well, not best, but better case scenarios for almost all of those Marlins that you mentioned. And I agree with you that if we played the season, I'll look at it this way. If we played the season a hundred times, there could be 15 or so instances by which the Marlins are a very competitive team and maybe even are in the wild card mix. Of course, that's over 162 games. Whereas the Phillies, a lot of these names that you've mentioned, their median expectation is simply better than some of the Marlins are. So I, I look at it like the Phillies have a little more depth, a little more ability to plug holes if things don't go right with individual players than the Marlins do. And that is, that's an advantage. Well, I can't remember where I saw this, but let's, the Dodgers before this, back in February, were like a 99.9% playoff team. And now, as each day goes by, and we don't think the season starts before mid-June, they're like 65%. Could you explain why that is? Because you could probably do a better job explaining it than I can. A shortened season changes everything when it comes to not just a full, not just a team's win-loss, but I think our fantasy's uh, options, too. I think it's law of averages. Simply put, the longer the or the greater the sample, the more likely everything will even itself out and meet at the mean expectation. So if we have a 70-game season, it's a smaller sample by which a lot of fluky, crazy things can happen. The other thing, too, is every team is going to deal with injuries at some point. And this goes back to yours and my point about did this delay really do anything to improve things for James Paxton's and Giancarlo Stanton's and Aaron Judge's? And, of course, we could go to the Dodgers where Clayton Kershaw himself, I know we have a question coming up on him later in the show. Did this really change anything in terms of their ability to avoid injuries? Because if one of those guys gets injured during a 70-game season, if they miss 30 games, that's a lot more damaging to that team's uh, competitive state 
than it is during a 162 game where they're going to be there for the remainder of the year. I think that's why we're seeing those percentages uh, drop. And by the way, not to be pessimistic here, but if the season starts and they truncate everything, A, I don't think players like Judge and Stanton are going to be more healthy. Even if they're healthy on opening day, they are brittle players. Two, brittle players in a shortened season are more likely to get hurt than in a long season, I think. So I don't know why people would assume that they're, yes, they're better picks because they're healthy at by, on day one, but they're not going to be healthy on day 30, for example. I, I just, I think there's going to be more injuries. If you have the season played out in three months, I think you would see more pitching injuries than hitter injuries. I don't know how pitchers are going to be used differently, but I don't, I, I don't feel, I want durable pitchers and, and younger pitchers because I, I have a feeling that the pitching injuries are going to be worse in a shortened season. Your caveat here is you're talking about if the schedule is forced to be compressed. That in other words, it's not we start at the point in the schedule as it was written on that day. We play it out as it was written. You're talking about double headers and trying to put games into the off days and keeping players busier during a shorter period of time, right? This is a money, this is a a straight out money grab where they want to get as many games in as they can. Right. Everybody wants the money. And, and, and hey, good for them. You know, we all want money, but. And hopefully they don't play these games unless it's 100% safe, which I don't see how they can. But yes, there's going to be double headers. There's not going right. to be any off days. So, you know. We agree. We definitely agree then. Judge and Stanton are playing like five out of every seven days or games. And, and, and even then I'm not sure they're going to be healthy. I think you're going to see different pitching ar- arrangements, maybe six man rotations. People were saying four man. I'm like, no, six and seven. Why would the Dodgers not have Dustin May and Tony Gonsolin either go as long men at, a la Tampa Bay or just start them? You know, with, you're going to have extra roster spots. So they would be in the rotation under those circumstances. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I think, I think we might see expanded rosters become a greater thing over a longer period of time if that's the case. Uh, let's talk about some of the things we're seeing in the simulation. I still can't find the leaderboards. I see the top performers. I see the standings. Um, I see yesterday's games, but what else have you noticed here? So Chris Davis of Oakland is a, is a fellow that we haven't, I don't think, spent a whole lot of time talking about. He has five home runs in nine games. And I think if you're simulating Chris Davis, you would simulate him to hit for power because every year before last year when he was hurt, he did that. Are we underrating, this is Oakland's Chris Davis, not Baltimore's, and maybe we're underrating him too. But are we underrating Oakland's Chris Davis? Because every year it was 40 home runs and a 247 batting average. You knew what you were getting. And we're ranking him well worse than we did at this time or, you know, in early in 2019. Why are we doing that? Well, I mean, one of the, th- one of the reasons is their age 32 season. So I, I, we're at a point in his career where He's more likely to hit the downslope of his career, even if it's the beginning of that. And coming off his worst year, at least in recent memory, people are more apt to take the pessimistic approach past 30. I also think it's a mistake. You and I talked a lot about Chris Davis during the shows we've done over the past couple of months, that I'm much more the optimist. I think he can snap right back to nearly 100% of his performance before the 2019 injuries. I think in the sim, of course, he's going to bat 247 exactly on the nose because that's just how it works. Uh, and I, I think these numbers are taking that assumption that this is a healthy player now, that last year was really an injury-ruined year where he attempted to play through it. I, I'm hoping he's 100%. He seemed to be before everything paused. By the way, you mentioned about the the links. Why don't we give everybody the quick uh, outlook of how you can find this? Uh, yeah, go ahead. It's well, baseball-reference.com. Correct. It's on their homepage. Yeah. And then you go down and you can see the games that they sim for the last day, top performers, standings mm-hmm. where the Phillies are 2-8. and eight. Um, And, you know, it, it shows you the win, loss, save, and home runs of that day. I guess there's no leaders, but it's still pretty cool. And I'm clicking through the box scores, and I'm finding some interesting stuff here. Yeah. Now, I don't know when they – like, I'm finding weird things. Like, like Kingery hasn't played the last, like, three days for the Phillies, but Yara Munoz, who's yeah. actually a member of the Red Sox, is playing third base for the Phillies. I assume that, well, I don't know, maybe the Phillies pick him, pick him up in the simulation. Munoz is? Munoz is in Boston's camp. But I know, I, but I'm, I'm trying to figure out how he would have gotten to Philly. 
I don't know how he got to Philly. <laughs> so, so here's, here are the two that you're not saying in here is that there is one where it says batting stats and pitching stats at the top. It's above the little standing things on the, on the baseballreference.com homepage. Uh, if you go onto there, the entire board of batting stats and pitching stats is sortable at the top. You click on the category you want and it will sort oh, them. Oh, I see it now. The other thing too is there's a transactions option. If you go into those pages, there's a link at the top for 2020 simulated season that has transactions. They are simulating transactions. So most interestingly, Mark Reynolds, remember him? He signed a yeah, sure. signed a minor league deal in the sim just yesterday with the Twins. Yeah, and they have Yair Munoz signing with the Phillies, so maybe the Red Sox didn't keep him. Cleveland gets Clay Buckholz. I oh, that's it's so much more interesting. It makes more sense now. Mm-hmm. Danny Salazar to Colorado. How about that? Oh boy, <laughs> that's Ball not where they- anyone wants to see him pitch. <laughs> Aaron Sanchez to Baltimore. I don't think he's pitching for a while. Um, wow, that's interesting that they're simulating the trans. I love this. I'm not, I'm not saying anything negative here about anybody. Our friends at Rotowire or uh, Baseball Reference or our friends at Fangraphs, who, by the way, need your help. Go to Fangraphs. Check it out. They need your help. Um, that's where I get the depth charts out of under roster resources there. I mean, look, I feel like we're all in this together, even though it's pretty clear in this country we're not. But, like, we're all in this together. And I don't know when this is going to end and when we're all going to be healthy. We can go to sporting events and restaurants and Target and all that. But I, just, I dearly hope it's soon. Just please, I, I haven't really been out in three weeks. Please continue to social distance so this can go away. But, yes, the transactions is is really cool. I like that a lot. Mark Reynolds, the Minnesota on a minor league deal. I love yep. that. Okay. So, so you, what else? You want, you want one that, that- – Stood out to me as a uh, uh, hot over the past couple of days in the sim that we haven't talked about much is David Dahl. Okay, he's been hitting. He I has, know. yeah. Well, I don't know why that's a surprise, but we probably rank David Dahl somewhere similar to we do Chris Davis, right? Which is kind of weird. Like, we're not ranking either of these guys as top hundred overall players, are we? Uh, Dahl was close. Dahl was more favorably ranked by everybody out there than Chris Davis. I had them. Uh, much closer than the average person did. I'm, I kind of want to believe in David Dahl, but based on the free swinging nature, I've, I've got my limits and typically I don't get him on teams. Are you, are you a pro Dahl drafter? Well, I'm not in a full season because I don't think he can make it through a full season, but again, for three months, chances are pretty good he'll get hurt at some point. Although, let me ask you this, I hadn't thought about this. In a compressed schedule, how do Rockies hitters and pitchers change for you? Because for all we know, if they want to reduce travel, that the Rockies wouldn't get as many, you know, they'd have their home games in the same road road trip and same with the, you know, like they'd have 10 home games in a row, 10 road in a row. But also if they do this Arizona thing, there's no course field. Yeah. And that would affect like Nolan Arenado would not be a first round pick under those circumstances. Right. And now I'd be more likely to take a John Gray. You know, this is an excellent point. Um, that would really benefit Rockies pitchers. It, I don't think it would severely hurt their uh, hitters' numbers because uh, this is this is the way I would look at Arizona without doing the deep research. And I, if this is where we go, I will do that. I'll look at the parks and the measurements and see if I can come up with park factors. I know that there some people have done studies about that out there, but it would have to play most likely like Chase Field would with the roof open. And if you know anything about the roof open in Chase Field, Zach Greinke, for example, when uh, he was pitching there, he struggled a lot when the roof was open. The high temperatures during the middle of the summer that were there, uh, the elevation, you know, the elevation is over, what is it? It's over a thousand feet, isn't it? Um, oh, geez, it might have been 1800, was it? I forget what it was. It's, the elevation is considerably higher than anywhere else. That's going to increase the run scoring environment. So I don't think it's going to ruin their numbers. It's going to help everybody else much more than it's going to the Rockies. So by comparison to everybody else, yes, you're right. That's going to hurt them. I don't think, is it going to make John Gray really a more attractive pick for you? I, I think I would overreact more on John, on John Gray and Marquez than I would on moving down story and Arenado. Like, I don't want Rockies pitchers in a general sense, but if you take them out of course field, I know John Gray's home road splits are not what you think. It's not like he's just getting pounded all the time at home when he's great on the road. He's not doing that. In fact, I think last year or the year before, he was better in home games than road games. Mm-hmm. He's a guy who probably needs a change of scenery. Maybe the home park gets in his head. I don't know. It's just, yeah, I would definitely, I would probably move up John Gray the most if they don't have any games of course field. 
We have, uh, by the way, it's a, it's roughly a, a thousand and sixty feet above sea level is Chase Field and Coors Field is, of course, fifty two hundred. Well, that's a big difference. Yeah. So I'm, it I'm is. looking around the leaders board, leaderboards here. We spoke about Justin Upton on the last show. We just talked about Chris Davis. You know, so I'm looking at the saves leaders now, and it's all opportunity cost here. But Nick Birdie is Pittsburgh's closer, not Keone Kayla, who everybody's drafting as the closer. Mm-hmm. Um, you were apparently right about Jairo Diaz being Colorado's closer. Yay! I didn't, I didn't agree with you in labor. Um, Trevor <laughs> Gott has got all the San Francisco saves, three for three. Um, yeah. All three of his appearances are saves. How about that? Nick Anderson's closing for Tampa. Jake Diekman has a couple saves for Oakland. So does Liam Hendricks. So maybe it's just um, they're giving guys more days off, you know, early in the season or something. But that's something I noticed there. Anyway, it's good stuff. Go check it out. Um, Going Orlando to your Yeah. Kella. Kearney Kella, by the way, has five scoreless ap- uh, appearances with an 18.7K per nine. So they're just making the decision that that's who they want to close with. By the way, Kyle Freeland. Is 2-0 and with a 0.66 ERA, uh, 16 strikeouts and 13 and two-thirds. Now, I haven't looked to see where those games were at home or on the road, but I took Kyle Freeland in the reserve round of something, labor, tad, I don't remember. It was labor. And I did it because I thought two years – see, your Chris Davis discussion earlier, basically, I don't think you're doing this per se, but most of the industry is saying that the three years prior to last year don't matter. Only thing that matters is last year because he's old. Well, on Kyle Freeland, nobody's even presuming that what he did in 2018 can be done again. They're all presuming what happened in 2019 is his new norm, his baseline. Why does that happen? Is everybody, is it all just recency bias with all these, with all these industry people and, and everybody who's drafting? Because Kyle Freeland and Chris Davis can be helpful fantasy options. You know, I'm not saying take him in round 10, but Kyle Freeland, now would I take him in a standard league? No. Would I take him in a deeper league as a bench spot? Absolutely. Why can't he do something like he did two years ago? Um, I don't think he could do what he did two years ago. I do think he could meet the three-year average. The three-year average is almost spot on to his rookie 2017 of a 414 ERA, a 140 whip. The 140 whip is what bothers me. The That's walks are – yeah, they're too high, the walks, for that ballpark, and the K rate is too low – for that ballpark. And when we've learned the lessons we have about Coors Field pitchers, Herman Marquez especially, John Gray to a certain degree, we're not apt to trust these guys because of the amount of homework. And I also think that we as fantasy managers don't like doing the homework of exploiting matchups. You picked Freeland in exactly the right circumstance. It was a reserve pick in labor. You can maximize every start you like the matchup of because in that league you can only activate reserve guys who you took in the original reserve round of your draft so you took him in the perfect spot he doesn't have to be active for you except when you want him to and if that's the direction you go i think you're going to extract the maximum value my point is don't just look at 2019 when you are projecting ahead for 2020 the preceding seasons matter as well and i probably if we get back to doing rankings would move chris davis of oakland up because I'm, I'm, I'm guilty to some degree of what you said, of assuming that he's too old, assuming he can't get back to 247 and 40 home runs. He can. He absolutely can. So I'm going to assume that I've ranked Chris Davis of Oakland wrong. Not because of the simulations. I'm not, I might move Justin Upton up, up a bit as well, but I'm not going to make Nick Burry my number 20 closer or anything like that. I, I'm going to look at the, but in a way, in a way, Tristan, Looking at the simulations that Baseball Reference is doing is affecting my rankings because I had some things wrong. I just I wasn't thinking about if you simulate what a player had done in the past and don't just look at last year, you'll see things that maybe we're not seeing. That's my point. I'm glad this is here because it's going to make me do a better rankings. I think it it provides us a good talking point about players and it makes us think about what players could do because it is a projection. But at the same time, the way in which it is – utterly meaningless for us is that it is one outcome if we did this as a hundred concurrent yes. sims on the page that would be the thing that tells us the truest lessons about these players you're right now we we have we have two simulation leagues that we talk about a lot on diamond mine and in one of them people are crazy and they run simulations like 20 of them to see who's good which teams are good and which teams aren't and all that stuff and 
I, I look at those some, sometimes I did it a couple of years ago in that league to see like one of my players, how does it value him? How does it, how is he doing? And I've actually changed my mind. Like I have Mitch Hanniger in the league, the 30 team league that we're in. And I thought he could be like an everyday player for a while. And now I'm like, I don't know. It's only been like a month, but I'm like, I got to change things up. Simulating is, is a good idea, you know, cause you get an idea of how, what a player can do. What he should be doing doesn't mean he will do it, but like I'm looking at the leaderboards now. Colton Wong of St. Louis has 10 runs scored in nine games. He's three for three on steals, batting 324 with six walks. I don't even know if I ranked Colton Wong, Colton Wong among a draftable player in a standard league. But if he bats second for St. Louis, he would score runs. He was he already stole more than 20 bases last year. I'm underrating him. Again, it's not all about the sim. But it's reminding me that I'm doing something that maybe I shouldn't be doing. That's all. all yeah, right. Colton Long actually, he had uh, he had that one pretty decent year, and he ended up on the fact and fluke panel at first first pitch Arizona yes, that did. I remember you were on, and yeah. we were talking about whether he was truly a 2020 candidate. And then he had those couple of really rocky years that that deflated his value, and he had a pretty decent 2019. To your point, he stole he stole bases. How yeah. about Jesus, Jesus Aguilar in ten games. 353 batting average, more walks than strikeouts, two home runs, eight runs scored. Is anybody thinking about Jesus Aguilar? That's what I'm telling you. Miami has their cleanup hitter. Like, everybody's saying, like, oh, like, CJ Crone, for example, is being drafted in standard leagues. His AAP, whether it's ESPN or NFBC, he's getting drafted. People are assuming he was going to be a 25 home run guy. Why aren't anybody, why is nobody assuming that with Jesus Aguilar? Because last year was bad. Don't just assume yeah. that last year means everything. There's, there's every reason in the world to believe that Jesus Aguilar can be better than C.J. Crone or could even do what Jose Abreu does every year. He can get back to that level. That's my point. All right. Yeah. Waste yeah. time. You're right. I mean, it's it's if you want to criticize him with you don't think he plays every day in Miami or you don't like the ballpark for, for his particular swing, okay, try to convince me of that. You can. Those Those are fair, but I'm with you. We, we can't be I, – I think Aguilar landed in a pretty good spot to play a lot, and I think he has, a, he has plenty of rebound potential. Good, good I, pick there. I, we're never going to know this, but I bet Miami was going to be a lot better than people thought. And, and we're not going to be able to judge that off a three-month season. But if we had a six-month season, I'm not saying Miami would have contended for a playoff spot, but, man, I think that team might have been able to win half its games. They call me crazy. Call me whatever you want to do. I don't care anymore. I mean, there's a lot bigger problems in the world. But I think Miami <laughs> – Miami, Philadelphia, and the Mets, all were going to be in the same tier of wins. All right, Kyle, let's bring you in now. All right, answer to that. Is that crazy to say that Miami could have been as good as the Mets and the Phillies? Kyle, you're our authority on this. Come on. Give us the answer. I'm your authority? Yeah, tell us the definitive answer on this. You know, you you are a Marlins expert. Give us the answer. Sure, Marlins expert. Um. I think their ceiling could have been there, but I think if you're talking mean outcome, I don't think they would have been there. If, I guess anything can happen in a short season now, but if you're talking long season, I wouldn't, I wouldn't have put them in that group, but I know you like their starting pitching more than I do. I, to Eric's point, I could see an outcome by which the NL East's winner has something like 88 games and its worst is not down at 65, it's 75. If, if, if I would, if anybody had asked me, nope, the people down the didn't ask me, but if anybody had asked me to do a, you know, who wins each division, playoff spots and all that for six months, I would have had, I would have had Washington winning the NOEs, but not with not more than 90 wins, because this is a tough division. Every team can be a 500 team, including Miami. Does I would have wild, Washington, what? Does a wild card team come out of the NLEs this year? Well, in, in 70 games, it, you know, you're asking a different question. No, but I think um, it's valid now. I, I think to this to this discussion about the tight, you know, the competitive dude, level. In a 70 division. game season, it is eminently possible that just about any team in the National League could be a wild card team. I actually mean that. You, if you had not told the Pirates, me, maybe not the Pirates, but <laughs> <laughs> I mean, are the Pirates that bad where you couldn't see lightning in a bottle? You couldn't see Joe Musgrove over three months performing like an ace. You couldn't see a decent bullpen. You couldn't see Gregory Polanco bouncing back over three months. No, I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna exclude even the Pirates. To be okay. honest with you, I, I I see a scenario in the National League where if there's a 70 game season, 
every team competes. San Diego competes. They could bring up Mackenzie Gore. Pittsburgh, what if Mitch Keller figures it out all of a sudden and becomes Chris Paddock of last year? Pittsburgh could be a team that wins half its games. I think any team could. Actually, I forgot one. I'm sorry, the Giants. The Giants would be the one I would pick first. So the, the Giants are not making the playoffs this year. By the way, our boss, our boss is calling me right now. Should I answer the phone and stop the podcast or no? <laughs> Am I saying something wrong in the show? All right, Kyle, let's get to some questions here because apparently our, my boss wants to talk to me. Sure. Garth wants to know, if we assume half a season, does Clayton Kershaw once again carry SP1 upside? Not a top 10 starting pitcher, number one overall. Yes, definitely. In fact, oh, number one overall. <laughs> okay. Among pitchers. Among pitchers. Um, you know what? Even over the over the six month season, I had Kershaw number ten. If you if you chop it to seventy five games, and I'm just picking numbers out of a hat because I have no idea whether they're going to play seventy five, a hundred, or zero. But yes, yes, Clayton Kershaw. And you're going to say, well, Eric, you just ripped Judge and Stanton. Why are you not ripping Kershaw? I think it's different. I think the Dodgers are different. And Kershaw is different. Um, yes, I, I could see Kershaw being the ace of all aces in a three-month season. Tristan, tell me why that's re- – tell me, tell me why last year's, you know, career-high whip, you know, means he's like Oakland's Chris Davis and he can't be good ever again. I, you oh. know, like, tell me why. <laughs> Number one overall, wow. I I stand by what I say, and that is the shorter the season, the wider the outcome ranges expand for a player like this. So absolutely his chances of being the number one overall player, starting pitcher in fantasy, they become greater, but the chances that he positively ruins your season because of a lengthy injury – also gets greater. He falls into that discussion we just had before about Stanton and Judge and the other likes. But you're right. He could. What if he stays healthy the whole year? If he does, isn't, I mean, the way and he pitches. Point, can't he? Well, you also, you're, you're putting him in a class here that he doesn't belong in. Clayton Kershaw's never missed an entire season like John Carlos Stanton did last year. And he, and he doesn't have the same kind of injury risk as Judge, who didn't even oh, play 115 yes, games in either of the last two seasons. Kershaw missed Four starts last year and six the year before. They're not the same. Uh, Kershaw's more of an injury risk than Aaron Judge's, and I don't think oh you're going to Oh, my find God, that's it. crazy. No, that's crazy? That's crazy. There's like a poll that has to be decided for next podcast with the loser having to sing, sing the hash brown music. You will lose this. Anything. You will Kershaw. lose this by a, a margin of greater than eighty percent. You pull, put that poll, Kyle. You will hey. lose that, that that challenge by Are more. Are you saying a country mile, Tristan? By a country mile, Kershaw's going to win this poll. How, how can you possibly make the case? Kershaw has averaged 27 starts over the last three seasons, and Judge has averaged 110 games played in his last two seasons. How Judge, can you make the case? He's younger. Kershaw's missed time in five out of the past six seasons. He's 32 years old. And frankly, and, and this is not a fair analysis. I see your point in terms of the fairness of judging their injury risk, but the industry is not going to agree with you because people have had Kershaw for five out of those past six years and dealt with his absence. The sting hurts, and that's going to influence a poll. I'm telling you. It's you not. might be right. It will. Kershaw has also pitched like a top 10 starting pitcher the entire time. The entire time, whereas judges had some batting average fluctuation, and even judge got hurt like in his house in January, Tristan. Like, his shoulder got hurt last September, wasn't fixed. That doesn't happen with Kershaw. They're, you're looking at this wrong. I, hey, you know, I don't care what I'm the not, I'm not. I'm, I'm saying you're, you're making a fair point about the comparison of one to the other. You won't win this poll, word, and you'll probably lose it by a lot. But, the word brittle is assigned to only one of those players, and it's not Kershaw. Kershaw's not oh. brittle. Oh, yes, he is. That, uh, that I do not agree with you on. They are both injury-prone players. They are both injury-prone players. The back things for Kershaw have taken something away from him. You, do you think there's any chance in 162 games he pitches and gives you a 33 start year? No, but he doesn't have to because Kershaw is one of the most, the top 10 starting pitchers averaging 27 starts a year, which is what he's averaged over the last six years. That's so a you're, you're giving- the absence. That's a month at least. Judge missed 
how much time each of the last two years? He missed more than two months. Now you're going back to the previous argument. The the case here we're trying to make is they are both brittle players. You're you're trying to make the case that Kershaw is not brittle. He is. I'm saying Kershaw's brittle baseline is a lot higher than Judge's brittle baseline. Okay. Okay. No, I see where you're going with that. that. How do you want me to phrase this poll so that it's not skewed? I just have who is more injury prone right now. Does that work for both of you? Who is more injury no, prone? Who, who scares Kershaw. you more? The judge's next step is the missing season. Question. What is it? I need agreement here. Who is more injury prone? That's what we're asking, isn't it? It's clear. Is okay? Yes, yeah, sir. Go ahead. That's all right. <laughs> we did. We're good. You will be drafted by the people. You don't believe what? I don't believe, like, I don't even know who you are, dude. You don't think Kershaw's brittle? Kershaw's got How how are you voting on that? How am I voting? Yeah. I think think I'd be tempted to take the side of no pitcher's going to make a ton of starts, so the baseline's smaller there. Exactly. But, yeah, I mean, if the question is who's going to miss time, like, Kershaw's definitely going to miss time, so... I guess it depends. I'll be interested. I don't think it's going to be 80 20. How's that? Judge has missed a bigger percentage of his time the past two seasons than Kershaw ever, ever has. I'll give you, I'll give you 60. You're going to ask it as who's more injury prone? Yeah. 60 40, Kershaw is going to take this poll. And what was it? I need to do what if I lose this? You're, oh, well, yeah, I mean, you got to turn the intro, but you're going to do that anyway. So you really have <laughs> doesn't no, matter. <laughs> I, you guys can come up with something terrible that I have to do if I lose this. <laughs> I are more it. sick a judge than they are Kershaw. Oh, I don't agree with that. I, I, well, I sick of, sick of. That's see, like that's a vague Subjective, label. Yeah. Missed two months in each of the last two seasons. I think people are more aggravated by Kershaw's absences over the past half decade than they are by Judge. That's just my suspicion. Least. I'm not the least bit aggravated by Kershaw because I get a month to replace him every year, and his numbers are still among. Kershaw is a top ten starting pitcher over five months. I take it. Did Judge you get him in labor? I did not get Kershaw in labor because he went for a, a very good price. I wanted him, and I I don't spend money on pitching in labor. You got right, somebody well priced though. I remember nice price on your your ace. Wasn't my ace like Trevor Bauer, fifteen dollars? No, you had a twenty-two dollar guy. I thought twenty-one, twenty-two, and a good pitcher at that too. You, you didn't get Strasburg. You got um, right. You I, Orban? No. Um, let me look and see who it was. Like while Kyle's answering, asking the next question. I got Corbin in labor mix, but Andrew wants to know story or Bregman in a six by six keeper league. What's the sixth? <laughs> On base and slugging <laughs> replace yeah. batting average. I mean, oh. Story's a runner. Bregman is to a degree. He's not anymore. Bregman's not a runner anymore. How many stole bases did Bregman steal last year? I went yeah, down five to bases. Houston okay. and asked him, and he looked at me, and he stole a base that day, and then he didn't steal like another one for two months or something. <laughs> he was just sticking it to you. <laughs> oh, jeez. Uh, I don't know who I got in, in NLA for to be my – Starting pitcher, actually. You can't find the labor one. I'll look for it for you. Um, yeah. I'll this, look. Is, this is tough. This. Hmm. I mean, I probably have Bregman ranked ahead of Story, but maybe I shouldn't based on stolen bases. The thing is, I think Bregman is safer and for for OPS purposes. And I do think that obviously, if they don't play any games at Coors Field, that would affect it as well. You got Kershaw for twenty four dollars. That's who I got. That's who you got. <laughs> How long ago was that, man? Oh, well oh. before this podcast started. A lifetime ago. Oh. I can't even remember like doing that draft. You got Kershaw, Robbie Ray, Sandy Alcantara, Scott Oberg, Spencer Howard, Tony Watson, Seth Lugo, Austin Voss, Zach Davies. You know what? I again, I don't want to be negative, but. I left Labor and Tau thinking both of those teams are winnable teams. And I'm thinking that there's not going to be a season, and I'm not going to get to ever find out. Or even in a 70-game season, it's not the same. I didn't build this team for a 70-game season. When we did Labor, we thought, oh, everything's fine. We're playing a full season. We never thought. And then when we did Tau, we knew we weren't. But we didn't think it was going to be like 70 games. Man, that's going to stink. That's I don't think stink. 
yeah, that's the other I'm curious about is when we did each of those drafts, what was the number of games people were projecting? And I'm sure that everybody would have said 162 at labor, and I would have bet that a lot of people would say 162 at tout, but some were projecting at 120, 140. And think about how, how long, that wasn't even that long ago, Tristan. Wasn't labor like just a month ago? It was the first weekend of April, of March. Labor was five weeks ago, Friday and Saturday, this past Friday and Saturday. Damn. And Tout Wars was three weeks ago. This the world past- has changed quite a bit in that span. I, I don't know how I would have drafted differently, but some of the picks I like more, like Spencer Howard is clearly going to make Philly if they ever, you know, if they start in June. Wow, I have Kershaw. How about that? To, okay. your, to your point, I probably would like Kershaw at 24 more now. I, I, I would rather take the chance, just like you are here, I, uh, that he's I mean, going to stay just, fully healthy. What we're doing here is just mincing words. I mean, that's all that is. It's just it's it's, it's verbiage. So I mean, we'll see what people say. But right. anyway, what's, no, but uh, I, think, I, I like the you're you're contrasting a guy who's past his 30th birthday with an injury history that expands over more major league seasons to a young quote approaching his prime player who's had some significant injuries. I think that's a good contrast. I, I don't care. By the way, how, Aaron Judge is not 23 years old, Tristan. That's the other thing here. Like, I know. I know. Like, people are, you're right. Judge will probably win the poll and people will vote for Kershaw being more injury prone. But Aaron Judge is 28 years old. He's only four years younger than Clayton Kershaw. And, and he has one season of health. All right. Move I on. think you're right. And I think you're educating the listeners by bringing up this topic. That's why I want the topic out here. Because right, I then. think the poll is going to get it wrong. Then, well, then it's good. You're getting it wrong. Yeah, I can live with that. But that's not what we were talking about. We were talking about what the belief was on here. As far as educating the listeners go, we never really did answer that question. So, Story or Bregman? Oh, Bre- Bregman. Bregman. I would draft Bregman first, but Story, if Bregman's like the number eight pick, Story's like number ten. And by the way, I'm going to be more apt to draft pitching, to draft hitters if the season ever starts than pitchers. I'm going to fade all pitchers to some degree. Not mm-hmm. a round, but like. I'm going to be fading pitching more and taking hitters if this starts up. Yeah. Okay. Agreement there. Eric from Twitter wants to know, do you have a favorite reliever eligible starting pitcher for those in points league looking up to rack up the innings? I've, I've never been in a league that weighed these guys, Eric. I don't know about you, but my points league weighs it the other direction where it's a reliever or closer with a starter eligibility. Um. I'm in a league now where you have two starting pitchers, two relief pitchers, and then three pitchers of any kind. And I see people, I, I punted saves in that league. It's a head-to-head league, so you just need, but they count the numbers. So say it's, I think it's nine categories. So like if you win 5-4, it matters for like tie-breaking purposes. But like when I punted saves that year, I had a really good team. So I was winning every week, but I was just punting the category. So I wanted pitchers with starting pitchers that had relief eligibility. Um, I'm looking now to see if there's anybody like that. You want my top five in the ranks who have a relief eligibility? Well, I mean, Carlos Carrasco jumps out to me, but I don't think I really want him. Mac, well, how does Max Fried still have relief pitcher eligibility? He pitched in relief last year? He would have. I guess he had eight relief appearances last year. I didn't recall that. The king of this is Julio Arias. Who yes. As I wrote for today's Dodgers piece, that's an ace. That, Julio Urias, I don't know where you rank him in dynasty leagues, but that's a guy who should be ranked as like a top 20 starting pitcher. I know we haven't seen a full healthy season out of him, and that's why you can't do it. But, man, if I wanted to get bold, Julio Urias is like a future Cy Young winner, I think. Yeah. Other ones who had them who are definitely draftable are Kenta Maeda and Joe, uh, Joe Musgrove you had mentioned before. Uh, you want some bargain candidates? Sure. Kevin, Ga- Kevin Gosman, Adrian Hauser, Native Valdi. I don't. See, I, I I had Musgrove in a league, and I don't know how Joe Musgrove has relief eligibility, Tristan. He pitched in relief once last year. Yeah, I'm trying to. I'm trying to determine that. I've, I think starter, we should stop talking about this because I think there's a problem with your rankings <laughs> or the eligibility. It's possible. Yanni the starter Chirinos, relievers are tough. I like. I can see Ross Driven, but Joe Musgrove did not pitch in relief. He pitched one game last year, so he should not have relief eligibility. But um, Maeda and Chirinos are a little bit different. 
Gosman. I am, I am off the Kevin Gosman train. I don't, I don't care that he's pitching in San Francisco. I'm just not, I'm not going back anytime soon. I need to see it. Drew Pomerantz, obviously, but he's a reliever now. Yep. Adrian Hauser has that Yanni Chirinos thing going on. But yeah, I mean, you know, the other thing is make sure you look up, do more research than what we've done about that. Cause, um, but yeah, that's where I explained. I don't have a league where the, uh, explain how you like getting these starters who have relief eligibility. I mean, I, I just don't have a league where there's any weight in that. You get the no reason benefit. why, the reason why that's a benefit if you're punting saves in the league I'm in where, where you have to have relief pitchers is, um, okay. you get more strikeouts, uh, you get more innings if that matters. Um, if, if they have two good starts that week, like if Carrasco is facing Detroit and Baltimore that week and he has reliever eligibility, I might sit an actual closer. If I'm going up against a team that has three or four closers and I think I'm going to lose saves anyway, I'd be more likely to use Carrasco and Max Fried in relief pitcher roles. Um, so that's something there too. And a points league is the same thing. AJ would tell you he's trying to get as many saves as he can. Um, if a guy has only one start as opposed to a relief pitcher, he might use the, he'd use the relief pitcher. So my apologies on this one. You are correct that free, neither Freed nor Musgrove does has, have the eligibility. I have a fee, an issue with the feed clearly on my page. Right, hey, look, you know, people that are listening to us, I, I assume are the diehards, and they know that stuff happens. So not a big deal. We'll get it fixed today. What's next? Mike wants to know your expectations for Kluber coming off the injury. Eric's a little higher, but nobody really all that high on him. Got him around 100 overall. Well, look, I think we've established on this show, and maybe for the last 15 years, the reason I'm higher on Corey Kluber is I'm willing to overlook 2019. Whereas, and I'm not saying Tristan won't, but whereas a lot, most people are saying, okay, I don't care that this was an ace. All I'm looking at is his age. And last year, and I'm like, that's crazy. What's wrong with you people? This guy was a 200-inning horse for five years who won a ton of games and struck out a ton of batters. Yes, Texas is not like pitching in Cleveland, but he was hurt last year, and now he's not. So why can't Corey Kluber go back to being an ace, rank him as an ace? But I think I have him ranked in my top 25 starting pitchers, and the reason why is because I think he can go back to that to- the, the, his past achievements. You're going to say he's old and he was bad last year. Mm, I'm going to say that he is 33, so we're going beyond even Kershaw age-wise. I don't think that's a substantial difference. Uh, I want to believe in Corey Kluber. However, he did have an incremental loss in fastball velocity the year before that as well. So this last year was not the first time we saw some slight skills decline in his performance. That that does alarm me a little bit. He was not as sharp as you think he was for the final four months of 2018. He wasn't that you mean, elite. You mean 2018 when he won 20 games with a 289 ERA and a 0.99 WHIP. You're telling me he was not good. No, I'm not telling you he was not good. I'm telling you that there were incremental declines in the fastball velocity. He was starting to show signs of the aging curve beginning to go in this direction. So while I agree that last year we need to put aside because of the injuries – he, I don't think he snaps back to that Cy Young guy. I think that the the high end is a top ten starting pitcher, oh, not yeah. a top three, not oh, a top I, five. I Nobody's saying that, but I I think he bounces back to look at better than a three fifty ERA, good WHIP, ton of strikeouts. Texas made a great trade here, and yeah, um, yeah. I think I am not fading Corey Kluber. I'm more likely to fade Carrasco than Kluber because I'm more worried about Carrasco staying. Healthy, I'm sorry, um, you know, because of what happened to him last year. Whereas Kluber, just somebody hit a ball off his arm. So I, I think he's, I think Kluber's more likely to bounce back. Let's yes, I know. For- he was showing signs of decline before the guy hit the no, ball. No, that's, you're forgiving him for an unlucky injury last year. And that was not all unlu- unlucky injuries. He I'm had setbacks. A, a guy hit a ball off his arm, Tristan. That's he had. He had setbacks in the recovery from that. You cannot just sweep that under the carpet. Oh, even afterwards, what, he hurt an oblique or something? He he re-injured himself with a different injury during his rehab. Oh, so, so now he's Kershaw and he can't stay healthy. No, it's just that that's a little bit alarming. He's starting to show the signs of incrementally declining. So I, I'm just I'm trying to be a little careful with him. That's all. Nobody's drafting him as a top 100 guy, but I wouldn't wait much longer. I'm with you on that. 
All right, we got Yan writes in. He wants to know your three favorite and or best fantasy seasons that you've had as a fantasy manager, specific players and seasons we're talking. Uh, well, we did that greatest of all time thing with our boss, Pierre Bouquet, and a lot of people from the industry where we we had to pick a team over the last 40 years and you couldn't pick anyone more than one player from the same season, more than one player from the same team. You were limited in decades. And one of the first guys I picked was Eric Davis. And I think one of the – you were fading Eric Davis, right? The, like the 30 homer, 80 steal season. I I don't – I wasn't playing fantasy when Eric Davis did that. But do you remember the good fantasy seasons, that, like individual seasons, or the surprising ones? Because when I saw this question, I thought – it's not about like getting like the Larry Walker core season or the Ellis Burke season. I remember like silly stuff. Like remember the year Mike Williams saved 40 games and Jose Mesa yeah. saved 40 games. And in NL labor, I got the combine. I, I got you the, had for, like $3 combined and I got like yeah. 90 saves. I remember that even though I finished yeah. second place. Like I don't remember who my best players were. I remember. That I got Mike Williams for a dollar and he saved 42 games or whatever he saved. I remember that. I, I remember like, I'm going to remember what I, Christian Walker did last year because I had him for a dollar in every league. You know, I'm not going to remember the guy I spent $40 on who had a 30-30 season or Howard Johnson or anything like that. What, what do you remember? I remember Ellis Burke's big year in 1997, and in the in the uh, exercise that you just referenced, Pierre's project, the all-time, which, by the way, everybody can play it. It's still up on our site, and I'll, I'll, I'll try and dig it up, and we can retweet it. Uh, you can try to, to come up with the best season of all time. Ellis Burke's in 97, the year that everybody thought of Larry Walker being the greatest year in fantasy history. It was during the rotisserie era, Larry Walker's was, but Ellis Burke's was one of the 10 best years in the history of Roto, if you're just doing the even weights year over year. I remember Johan Santana's 2004 because that second half was so thoroughly dominant in a year that was leaning towards offense. I've never seen anything like it, the four-year run that he had during that. And a good friend of mine traded for him as a buy low right before he took off for that. And the third I remember is my points-based league. I finished third the first year I was in it. I finished first the second year I was in it. I was really hated entering the year 2000, and I remember finding the two market inefficiencies, and those were Rockies pitchers with Ks, so I got Pedro Estacio in that year because nobody wanted him, and he got like 200 Ks, and Edgar Martinez had something like 140 RBI in 2000. Love the Edgar Martinez years. Nobody wanted him. One dollar. I lost a league. I mean, look, there's a theme here. You win leagues and I keep finishing second. I finished second in a league because a guy picked up Chris Medlin of Atlanta. Was it 2012? When he had like a the second half of the season, he was like 10 and 0 with a 0. like 90 ERA or something crazy like that. And I remember like we were going back and forth in first and second and the other guy had Medlin and he just ended up winning. And I was like, what can I do? Like I had a great team and it should have won. And he picked up Chris Medlin and I didn't. And that's how I lost, you know. I mean, sometimes it's crazy stuff that happens. So it's, to me, it's not always like what what I did to have the best seasons. It's like the surprising seasons that you get when you don't spend, like you get them like with a last round pick or, you know, you spend a dollar or two in an auction. I'm more apt to remember those. I'm trying to think of anybody else. I mean, I we did this in NBA. Tom Carpenter is our editor at ESPN Fantasy. And we did an NBA remembering like the last like 30 seasons there and what you've I'll never forget taking Terry Callage in my first NBA draft. He was Orlando. He was a um, that was an expansion team. And my first thought was, who's going to score in this expansion team? And I got Terry Callage in the last round. And I was like, <laughs> that worked out. He averaged like 19 and a half points a game. Um, you know, I remember stuff like that forever, but I don't remember anything for the last five years. Isn't that weird? Like, I don't remember anything that happened in the last five years, but I remember stuff from 30 years ago or 20 years ago. You're going to be hopeless on the trivia when we get to that in a couple minutes then. <laughs> you no, because we did five. something like that recently. So, like, I mean, Ian Kinsler is going to be in that group again. Like right, like right now. We'll I there. think I have we'll a few of them. We'll get there. Do you have any more questions, Kyle, or are we going to do the answer? I, 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 let's go with trivia here. Right now, Aaron Judge, 73% of the poll. It's still obviously very early. but Wow. Listen. I'll have to retweet that and see what my uh, – 
Yeah, you're uh, probably a little bigger than mine, so we'll get some more votes. I, I'll, I I'll, clearly I'll... am going to win this poll, and you lose. <laughs> Finally, I beat you. I retweeted it with no commentary whatsoever. We'll see what the listeners say. <laughs> It'll be interesting before I post the podcast in an hour or so, like if if post-podcast listening people skew their opinion one way or another. Who knows? I, I might tol- I'm totally blown it here. Eric, you'll have to I pick don't... some horrible punishment for me. Oh, I can't wait. <laughs> I, I just Your points, man. All right. You're, you're biased as a Yankee fan. That must be that. Okay, move Who on. are the guys with 1,600 hits? Eric, I think I have two of them. We have, there's four players who had at least 1,600 hits in the 2010s. 2010 to 2019, can you name them? I have two that I think are good. I have a few guesses that I think won't quite get there. All right, well, why don't you name them? You start. I think I got Pools and Braun would be the two I feel decent about. And you are incorrect on both of them. Jesus. Okay, then I feel really bad about the ones I don't feel good about, so forget that. It's, Ryan it's, Braun is 1410 and Albert Pujols is 1485. Oh, so I wasn't even really all that close. All right, Eric, you're going to have to take the wheel here. Well, my first thought was, like, it, if he's asking, it's got to be, like, a guy like Kinsler. But I, that's a lot of hits for Kinsler. Kinsler had 1443. Okay, so Pujols was closer. So you I'm going to I'm gonna say Robbie Cano. Robbie Ooh. Cano is number one with 1695. Wow. Because I didn't consider him. I'm going to say Joey Votto. Joey Votto is 1532. Incorrect. But better than either of my guesses. How about Nick Markakis? Nick Markakis is number two with 1651. Well done. I would have gone like Buster Posey or Daniel Murphy before I said Nick Markakis. One of these guys. So one of these last two shocks me. That he's this high on the list. The other one I knew, but he's tricky. Shocked you more than Marcakis would have? Yes. I'm really? stunned to see he had at least 1,600 hits. All right, Eric, take it away. Trivia Maven, get it. Andrew McCutcheon. No, McCutcheon had 1,540. He was close. Man, these are some good guesses. Way better than mine. Um, well, I'm trying to think who's been around for the whole decade. I mean, it, it can't be Miguel Cabrera. Miguel Cabrera is 1,595. He's tied oh, for Eric, just do me a favor. Look at your rosters, and who are the old guys you're continuing the draft that could have had all these hits a decade ago? Well, it can't be Nelson Cruz. Um, <laughs> One of these guys I don't think is even 30 years old yet. So, wait, this is a, this is 1,600 hits. Oh, he's 30 years old. He, his 30th birthday was uh, about two weeks ago. One of them. It's got to be somebody like who leads off, or it's like a top – like it's. I don't think Altuve's played the whole I was thinking Altuve, too, but I, don't, I think he's sure. He is seventh with 1568. Elvis. Elvis is tied with Cabrera with 1595, tied for fifth place. Yeah. If the season would have started on time, Eric would have nailed this. One of them is on a team in the division we talked about quite a bit during the show, the National League East. No <laughs> ring, though. He'll watch them. He'll watch the rings be distributed. Harper? No. Watch the ring. He will watch. Well, if if they have the season, then oh, they, is it Starlin? Starlin Castro is sixteen seventeen. He is fourth, and the number three is really really difficult. He has sixteen forty seven. Give us a position. I'll give you a hint. Uh, the team by which he got most of these was featured in one of Eric's recent columns. Give some love to this team because they don't get along. Oh. Oh, so Baltimore. So, but it's not, it's not Edwin. Machado? Nope. He said majority, so it doesn't have to be all of them. Majority of his time and hits came with this franchise. So it's a National League East team. I mean, an American League East team. Um, No, no, this player, this player got the majority of these hits with the Baltimore Orioles. And it's not Marquecas and it's not Machado. I'm shaking my head. People can't see that. So <laughs> that was my no. That that's yeah, not. Well, I mean, Adam Jones would do. I only guess that you know, guys. Adam Jones. Oh, it's yeah. Adam Jones. It was Adam Jones. Yes. <laughs> I hope somehow, some way. <laughs> that shocks me. Adam Jones, sixteen forty-seven hits. Wow. Good for him. That, okay. That was elite trivia, Tristan. I like that one. That was fantastic. That was a fantastic question. Good for you. <laughs> I'll keep bringing more of these each show. And I just, I just mentioned I 
I usually have one or two extras, so I think I'm going to have to post up some trivia on Twitter just for the heck of it. Use the ones uh, we don't do in the show. Yeah, no, definitely. Yeah, that's good content. I like it. All right, so any, any other questions? Are we done for today or that's what? we go. All right, um, well, thank you so much for listening to our little show. I believe we'll be back on Thursday. Check out all the great material at ESPN Fantasy. Tristan has his playbook, part one and part two, that are up there. If you want to win your leagues, read and listen to Tristan. How about that? All right. For Tristan, for Kyle, I'm Eric. Have an awesome and safe and healthy week.